This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to edition 139 of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Today, it is truly a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Flavio Bonami, the founder and former CEO and CTO of Nebbiolo Technologies, a Silicon Valley startup delivering the first complete fog slash edge computing software platform for the industrial automation market. Dr. Bonami is a technology expert and visionary with experience that spans from low-level devices in silicon to the broad level of networking and computer systems. He spent 14 years at Cisco Systems leading advanced R&D as a Cisco fellow. While there, he also literally coined the term fog computing. Prior to Cisco, Flavio worked at several Bay Area startups and was at AT AT&T Bell Labs, where he was a distinguished member of the technical staff. He received a PhD in electrical engineering from Cornell University, as well as a Bachelor of Science in electrical engineering from the University of Pavia, Italy. A consummate learner, he has published over 100 papers in technical journals and conference proceedings, and is co-inventor on, I'm not kidding here, 60-plus U.S. and international patents. Flavio, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Ken. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, on these topics that I am very passionate about. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Passion clearly defines you, doesn't it, Flavio? Especially when it comes to uh, to fog computing, which will really be the uh, the clear topic today. So I always like to start with one's digital industry journey. Um, you know, what would you consider to be the red thread of your digital leadership journey? I think is the uh, uh, ITOT convergence, uh, a sentence that is used uh, a lot, but uh, in my professional uh, journey, I learned a lot about the IT world uh, uh, with the Cisco, with AT&T, communications, uh, computing, cloud, software-defined networking, all those things. But at the beginning of my journey was uh, actually systems theory and control theory. So now the opportunity to bring all the learning from the IT to the OT space, the operational space, that touches the ground, that touches the machines, the automotive, uh, the cars, the robots, has been very motivating for me. And so my my really red thread is that kind of sharing of cultures uh, and sharing of technologies between these two worlds, from which I believe the great, one of the great uh, values of this digital transformation comes from clearly, and and also why um, you are literally the the having the right skills at the right place in the right time. Given we still talk about OTIT convergence, but we're probably much closer to it than we ever have been before. And certainly, uh, fog computing or edge computing, as others will call it, uh, is uh, is a, is a paradigm that well describes that. 
Let, let's go back to some of your uh, your early career. So you, you got a PhD at Cornell, 10 years at Bell Labs, so a typical underachiever start there. Uh, but you jumped into back-to-back networking startups, and this was, of course, in the absolute heyday of, uh, of networking. And interestingly enough, both were acquired, the latter by Cisco, which does explain how you uh, you ended up there. But what were some of your early wins and lessons learned during this time? Well, that was a very uh, rich time in Silicon Valley. It was the you know the time of the the big boom, the uh, you know the, the the networking and the internet uh, uh, explosion. And I was coming from uh, Bell Labs networking, uh, ATM. The technology was ATM, and there was a chance to apply to uh, to uh, enterprise uh, worlds rather than telco worlds. And so I felt that Silicon Valley was the place for this. And uh, because they were becoming interested in uh, the same technologies that uh, AT&T had been pushing for a while. Uh, so getting in there, it was really the di- dynamics of small companies, uh, very quick, uh, some, sometimes quick and dirty uh, prototypes, small little things that uh, would really uh, compete very well with very uh, um, heavy duty designs from uh, large companies like AT&T. And so the, the, the agility was one of the things that I learned. Uh, and then it was uh, the explosion of the uh, uh, enterprise world uh, the, and, and the cl- uh, beginning of data centers and clouds uh, in which I found myself in the middle. And in fact, it was the, the convergence of the IP uh, networking and the telco networking that was happening at that time. And uh, so we were at the forefront of that with Sonnet coming in uh, uh, together with the, with the IP, with IP uh, uh, the IP networking that Cisco was pushing. So that was the big explosion of networking and it was fun to be with new people also coming from uh, very different backgrounds, uh, sometimes computer design, large chip design, and software. So it was uh, created a great friendship, some of which were taken into the next uh, journey. In fact, some of the people I met early, uh, Chandra and Kanan and others, were with me in these early startups, creating the network of people that trust each other, that walk through multiple startups in their professional life. And this is what's happening here. So the networking, the humanity, the the convergence of so many cultures uh, was great. And then also the money at the end of the journey, because it was really high time for acquisitions. And you, you, you felt at this point that uh, the world was yours and there was no down downside of it you know retirement was near and then you realize that things are not always shiny and uh, then came the 2001 crash and so forth so ups and downs of life and history and uh, and professional lives as well in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Silicon Valley, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you, you talk about a company that um, that did acquisitions um, 
extremely well, but also at a high velocity, you know, Cisco in the day. And of course, they acquired your your ladder startup. So you spent 14 years there as a distinguished engineer and, and later fellow. I, and I think at the time I met you, VP and head of advanced architecture and research. And what a great time to be there with, uh, with uh, Mr. Chambers and the Internet of Everything. And of course, you know, the black boxes that really defined very much the uh, Internet for many of us. So what were some of the highlights of your time there? Well, uh, the company was really, uh, uh, really full of energy and enthusiasm and, uh, you know, winning in uh, everything they were doing, uh, but also was bringing together uh, talents uh, and organization, uh, innovation in many, many ways. And it was uh, it was great because also, uh, it could offer you multiple areas of growth. The first was uh, the, the big routers, the you know, internet routers, GSR, CRS, the beginning of the big designs there. Then I moved to the data center and storage with Mario and Luca and the famous MPLS group. Uh, they were doing enterprise networking and then uh, the beginning of data center networking and data center computing. So there was this, the, the first the kind of the, uh, 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 the WAN and then the LAN uh, with very different dimension costs and ways of doing things. And then again, trying to bring both together because the, from, uh, from the, the big routers uh, and the switches, routers and switches became again a convergence point. And so that is where I always live at the at the boundary between uh, between domains. So that was very good. And under Mario and Luca, there was a lot of uh, openness to do new things. And I really created this uh, applied research group under uh, uh, Tom Etzel at that point. And it was amazing because we were acquiring companies into that uh, organization as well as. Uh, starting to work with research, Stanford, uh, San Diego, UC San Diego. And I, there was a time when I had these top, top networking professors uh, coming in on Friday for these uh, brainstorming sessions. You know, the, uh, Nick McCune, the father of soft-defined networking, Scott Schenker, uh, George Varghese, Balaji Prabhaka. These are big names in network research. And we were trying to put them into silicon and into into real products. So it was like applied research, but going into concrete products directly. It was really great fun. And that group became the core of the advanced architecture and research team that was basically created around my 15 people there. And it became 30 people or more with the good funding, and that was the greatest fun because we could uh, give money to universities uh, and then to uh, startups, do, you know, prototyping, uh, proof of concepts, and we touched all the new trends happening in technology at the forefront of cloud, at the forefront of uh, um, software-defined networking, uh, and uh, the way to do security, deep packet inspection, and then came the 
early ideas of, uh, of Internet of Things, industrial Internet, with that connected vehicle uh, efforts, which was fantastic. Going to Formula One races with McLaren, talking about the future of the automotive, which is, is in fact, happening now, uh, was great fun because it was the convergence of my, again, my passion for the car, that was a mechanical object at, at the time, becoming an electronic object. And so electronics and automotive were coming together. Again, another boundary, another transition, and much fun. And so that was what really brought the idea of for computing to the fore, because we realized this car needs a lot of computing inside and outside. Uh, and uh, the networking inside the car is changing, and it goes towards Ethernet. Ethernet wins everywhere. Uh, and then there's the cellular connectivity or the, you know, the, the wireless car to infrastructure. So those were fantastic uh, early movements uh, that preluded to all we saw in the industrial Internet. Uh, that was 2010 or so. And we realized we need a new way of computing, which we are learning from the cloud, but at the edge. And that is when uh, when we, we we started the stories of fog computing. And, and I believe and you are you are officially credited with having actually coined that term. And I believe you told me the story once and it had something to do with the Monterey Aquarium as I remember it. But it, the end result is uh, I believe the license plate on your Maserati says Cisco Fog, if I'm not uh, Yes, I'm not let, me correct, <laughs> let me correct uh, you a little bit here. Because the, it was at the Monterey Research uh, Center in Moss Landing. But uh, uh, so I gave a talk and the talk was talking about extracting data from the bottom of the ocean, maybe processing in those robots at the bottom of the ocean and bringing it up to the data centers. And uh, there was a lady that was at Cisco before, the wife of one of my employees in that in that organization. When we finished outside and I have the picture of that day, 2010. Uh, she said, Flavio, stop talking about cloud computing. You should call it fog computing. Uh, and because it's close to the ground, it's like clouds down to the ground. So she told me that, and I comp com complained, come on, Ginny. Uh, I didn't <laughs> believe it. Then I got on my Maserati that still didn't have that number plate on. And I, I thought, ah, Ginny is right. So let's try to use this. And then I kind of became the, the user of the name, but the origin was her, you know, Jeannie. Okay. And, uh, and then when I left Cisco, my team gave me the vanity plate with the Cisco fog on. And, uh, I, you know, until fog started dissipating into edge. Uh, but that was fun. That was fun because people enjoyed also the understanding technology through this silly naming and uh, wines also, you know, grapes and other stuff. Talk about, uh, you know, the smiling, smiling about this. It was fun. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely brilliant name. Uh, I still think it's a, as applicable as, as Edge, but the industry certainly seems to like the Edge connotation there. And speaking of fog computing, which I think is actually still a very good term, although, you know, the industry seems to have adopted Edge computing a lot. 
In 2015, you founded Nebbiolo, of course, a great uh, grape name, but also uh, representative of Italian fog per se, a Silicon Valley startup delivering the first complete fog edge computing software platform for the industrial automation market. And I, this one warms my heart because I do remember some of our early discussions, both in the basement of your home, testing some of the hypothesis of this, but of course, also enjoying your, um, your great uh, espressos and cappuccinos. What um, what compelled you to start this company and to focus on the industrial automation space? Uh, well, first, I, I believe that this was uh, uh, a future trend uh, of, uh, of notice, of, of relevance for the movement into uh, industrial IoT. So I, I was very convinced that this was a, a big trend. And... Uh, I didn't see much happening. Uh, in fact, even at Cisco, after we proposed it, uh, and then outside, I waited uh, a year or so trying other things before getting the courage to to start the company around this topic. So it took a while to uh, to gather the the, the, the courage uh, uh, to do it because. It implied uh, a complete system, software, hardware, uh, um, platform, uh, infrastructure, which were not things very fashionable in the VC space at that time. So it took me a while to to decide to do it. But then since nobody was doing it, I decided let's do it. And uh, and that is when we uh, collected the people and started talking to investors uh, mostly investors in Europe, uh, because uh, again, here the receptivity was was not um, uh, not there, and uh, so uh, that was exciting because starting something from the ground up with uh, you know your old friends that uh, you know you re recall back to action with you. Um, all the you know all the things that you need to do to start a company, uh, it's learning every day, and it's really even scary at some point because there's there's nothing that you have done before that is exactly helping you. So you have to really uh, learn and and be flexible, be agile, and uh, fearless in many ways. And in fact, fearless is the word. You know, it's good that you don't know how hard it is to start a startup. Otherwise, you never you would never uh, start. At the same time, you know, if you knew how sometimes, uh, you know, building a family is not just uh, the first moment of love and, uh, you know, infatuation, uh, you would not sometimes build families. But then in the end, the growth and the experience is, is un, un, you know, uh, in a, a priceless. So I started with that courage uh, knowing that uh, this was the right thing for the future and seeing no movement in the in the area so i decided let's let's do it and 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 we got into this uh, but again i what i said is the the funding had to co come from europe because they were more open to an investment of this type uh, that included at that point hardware uh, infrastructure software uh, and even some elements of applications. It was a very broad 
uh, initiative, you know, that would have uh, been mu much more appropriate for larger companies than startups. And probably you haven't told me that in your uh, in your in your wisdom, uh, you know, classifying what I was trying to do as maybe too broad or too ambitious. Uh, but anyway, we did it. We got into this. And uh, yeah, cl clearly a full stack is the way I'd like to refer to it. And it's interesting. You set uh, you really were a pioneer in a um, early space at that time at a pretty nascent time. I mean, fast forward now um, and, you know, you would think these types of investments are much easier because uh, both um, uh, strategic investors and uh, institutional investors are more used to thinking about things. But you were really at a formative time, my friend. So, um, yeah. Good what and bad. Were, uh, <laughs> what were some of the key use cases and, and wins for you at Nebbiolo? Uh, so first, uh, as, as I said before, the use case that I had in mind was uh, more related to transportation than industrial. Uh, you know, I had the, the car in mind uh, and uh, other use cases like smart cities related to transportation, energy, uh, industrial was one step removed, but uh, I learned uh, of the potential of uh, fog and edge for industrial from Kinoshita, Kino that became from Japan, uh, an investor from Japan and former Cisco person, uh, because he told me this is very important for industrial. So I knew there were applicabilities there, uh, but it was not the first uh, objective. Uh, then, uh, when the money came from TT Tech and KUKA, that was also a very exciting time because uh, um, uh, TT Tech, Georg Kopetz, brought in uh, um, KUKA as the other partner for this uh, adventure. And KUKA was very uh, at the top of robotics at that time. Um, Till Reuter was a very, uh, you know, charismatic CEO. So we met in Kitzbühel uh, as the races, as the downhill races were taking place. So from the Audi rented building, we were looking at the big uh, uh, downhill races going on and talking about this new Nebbiolo uh, company. Uh, and uh, it was fun. Uh, and the idea was to apply to one vertical first, to be focused at least on the on the vertical uh, uh, target vertical, which was industrial automation. Uh, at that time, the beginning of Industry 4.0 uh, was uh, the talk, and it was exciting, and and it was uh, important for me to kind of. Uh, put this kind of focus on what could fog and edge computing do in industrial automation. It was early 2015, uh, again, pretty early in the picture, but but the, the ideas came very clearly and they are still valid and they're still being pursued. And in fact, they are really the future uh, in, in terms of one of the perspectives of uh, digital uh, transformation for the industrial. So that, that's what brought us to industrial automation. It was the investors uh, coming from that space. And uh, I think it was not wrong. Uh, and it's still 
we'll talk about you know the difficulties of that domain but i think it was a good uh, was a good direction Mm, yeah, clearly. I mean, as we fast forward from 2015 to just recently, uh, you actually exited the company to TT Tech, which, uh, you know, was well, I think was a, a nice home long term for this. You know, now that you're able to kind of sit back and think about uh, child rearing of your own startup in some sense, what were some of the lessons learned now that you've gone everywhere from, you know, doing the startup to a full exit in this? I, what would you what would you have done differently if you don't mind me asking it that way? Uh, well, f- first, I think it was uh, uh, a very good uh, uh, focus to take, uh, and it was uh, important to uh, to take the time to really learn the pain points of the industry with people on in in that space, uh, and it became very clear from the beginning that there was so much we could really do in this convergence of technologies because uh, despite the colors and flashy robots and so on, the electronic infrastructure side of industrial automation was very uh, much in need of, uh, of innovation. And so that, uh, that was really uh, very important that the use cases became uh, um, clear uh, from the beginning, from the con- consolidation of these industrial PCs to the uh, analytics at the edge and to this evolution of the automatic control uh, of industrial automation. So the use cases uh, became very clear and that was one of the important learnings that, that is still there, that is still to be fully fully uh, manifested, the, the potential that is there. On the other hand, the other learning uh, is that this world was so distant from uh, from the IT world, the gap was so broad, in a sense attractive, because there's a vacuum there to fill. But on the other hand, there's a cultural shift that is dramatic for people uh, involved. And so it became very clear that uh, it was not an immediate adoption. It was actually painful uh, because this world is conservative and wants to test things. And so that was the the learning of the the purgatory of uh, of in IoT that is the proof of concept pilot time where you run around spending your equity money to travel to to teach and to show uh, a a platform at work that maybe is not fully mature so it cannot be really deployed at scale so it cannot really bring in the revenue so that that process of learning from each other uh, was very good, but is also costly because when you really have to show as a startup that you have revenue, then uh, you realize that it, it's a longer pull. It's a longer. Uh, it's a bigger challenge. So the, the challenge is to make money out of this transition and these new technologies for a startup is not easy. And when you come down to that bottom line, uh, that was uh, painful. But still, we made important breakthroughs with companies like uh, Hyundai or Hyundai, as they say here, 
uh, and uh, the Toshiba Group and uh, um, various other big names. And with Audi, we had fantastic uh, proof of concepts uh, that are still now, you know, uh, uh, references. So we did an amazing job in breaking through the market uh, uh, with with uh, as a little company, but. It uh, it was not easy, and it's not easy for startups in this in this domain. And we see that then the pandem- pandemic came as well to make things harder. So the learning is this is a very good topic that will continue to mature and and explode. I think so. It's a good area. Uh, on the other hand, it took a longer time to mature than we expected. Although it is a fast transition, if you think about it, uh, five years is not long for uh, for this vertical. Uh, and in fact, so much acceptance is really appearing, is really there. And it's, it's really a revolution. So it's too slow for a startup in some ways, but it's fast for that industry. Uh, so we're still there. Working. Yeah, well, well said, Flavio. And I go back to your your intersection of IT and OT. You've sat at Enterprise IT on the Cisco side and other companies, and and certainly on the OT side for the last uh, I'll call it Enterprise OT side for the last several years, and and that is the part that um, I, I I I think most IT vendors, analysts, and that community try to judge progress on the OT side by what they've seen on the IT side, i.e. virtualization of IT over the last you know decade or two, right? So OT should virtualize just as quickly. And uh, and I think the old adage always applies because I've lived on both sides is, you know, a bug in, you know, software on the IT side and, uh, you know, people are inconvenienced, a bug in software on the OT side and people, you know, are harmed or worse, right? And so yep. it's uh, it's that that understanding and appreciation of that that any startup that's working in this ITOT kind of convergence space we're always very much cautioning about and making sure as you say you have early revenue opportunities that can grow and scale into long-term ones and so yeah you have lived that in spades my friend <laughs> Yeah I know I have a lot of scars on my back as they say Yeah yeah, well, look, given your early predictions of fog computing, I mean, what do you see as the next decade for, you know, for this edge fog pattern that uh, you predicted so early, especially in the digital industry space? Yes, so I think I'm very confident uh, and and uh, convinced that uh, what we saw, and this is my problem, now your wife also tells me, you see the future 100% right, but you don't know when the future will come. And so uh, the, the timing is, uh, is uh, uh, the question, but the direction is very clear. And so I'm very comfortable to predict now <laughs> that what we talked about is really what is uh, progressively happening. Uh, that is, virtualization will come into uh, the, the, the the OT space uh, in its uh, definition that is more mission critical than probably is typical of IT. Uh, and that will open the door to a new software deployment model uh, managed, uh, containerized, uh, based on virtualization, uh, what they called um, uh, cloud native. So we will have 
a, a model of distribution of software that goes now from the inner machine embedded to the edge to the cloud. So you can take the same function and move it wherever you want. So this is really the distributed computing at its best. This continuum is happening, enabled by virtualization uh, that has to be very lightweight and mission critical as you go down. Uh, that will kind of decouple and is decoupling the software and hardware. In, in the old world, you would buy a box to deploy an application. And now is it, you know, and then you have a fragmentation of boxes around the floors that is very difficult to manage, secure, um, upgrade, uh, you know, and so forth. So now there's an infrastructure like in the cloud and there's applications that can go over the infrastructure. And now it becomes a world of apps, you know, the app store of industrial. So now we are seeing the same things that happen with the phone uh, and, uh, and that will unleash great innovation, um, very dynamic and agile because you don't need to put down a box to test a new analytics algorithm. You know, you can give a container to the operator and say, test it out. And the guy clicks and brings it down. And, uh, and this leads also to, uh, you know, all this edge uh, AI, ML, and digital twins. This is one of the exciting things of the future. Come also be distributed from the edge up. So you can have this hierarchical uh, machine learning and digital twins and analytics that will, again, make sense of the data. And next goes into action because extracting uh, insight from the data is good, but you have to also close the loop. And this leads to the uh, important area of the evolution of control. And this has been uh, really my passion, seeing control becoming software defined. Uh, for example, the PLC becoming a software virtual PLC. Uh, that is a big, you know, uh, disruptive and uh, dramatic change. So software-defined control uh, will become, again, deployed as applications. You know, would you need a new robotic uh, uh, controller? Uh, okay, I'll give you the container that does it instead of the box and the whole thing. But obviously the infrastructure has to be ready for that. Uh, and uh, so now you have this, uh, this continuum of uh, software models and intelligence uh, from the cloud all the way down. And that's the dream of IT and OT convergence. And it's coming. There's a beautiful, and I, I don't know if you have seen it, there's a beautiful video by uh, Henning Loser of Audi that I probably didn't share with you, but I'll share it with you. It's not public, but he is really presenting the future of the automotive factory exactly in these terms. And it's nice to see it because we talked to Audi early about this uh, vision, and now is what they're going for. Uh, so this is happening. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of work to do still, but uh, that's why we are here, and uh, we are excited about uh, more work ahead of us on this.
Well, and, and actually that, so that, that begs the obvious question. So now with uh, Nebbiolo safely tucked away with TT Tech, what's next for Flavio? Well, the dream has not been completely manifested. The dream we started with in 2015, uh, the fog dream, uh, is, uh, is maturing, but is not fully manifested. That's why uh, I'm uh, active with Lynx software, which, by the way, hosted the Viola in 2015 for six months because we wanted to use their mission-critical uh, defense, uh, uh, um, uh, typical uh, virtualized embedded virtual, you know, uh, hypervisor, unique that can be uh, certified for safety, is very very secure. So that's why we went to Lynx in the beginning. That's why I'm still uh, working as a uh, an advisor to the board of Lynx because we need that layer to close this gap towards the edge. Virtualization to the deep edge, to the first mile or last mile, requires mission-critical qualities. Lightness coming from an embedded type of uh, use into edge. So embedded going to edge is that area of, uh, of activity that I'm involved in now. That, he, that we wanted to achieve with the Biolo, but then it was too much to try to attack that area, the real deep mission-critical virtualization. And so I'm doing it with Lynx and uh, other uh, companies uh, uh, that are kind of working towards this. Uh, and to really manifest, uh, like with CodeSys, you know, uh, manifest the virtualization of control and we see that is feasible, and Intel also is moving in the same direction. So I am uh, more at the last mile, uh, still working in the same direction, uh, helping companies uh, in a consulting uh, fashion. You teach that that's a good area, and you succeed in that, and we are all looking at uh, the great things you did at Momenta in that direction. Um, so I'm active uh, on uh, on that front with a number of companies. Uh, I see big areas still open, which is the programming of this uh, cyber physical system, of these uh, IoT, industrial IoT systems. Uh, it's still an open question. Uh, so we have a, we are working on the infrastructure, the infrastructure is coming, but then how do we really uh, enable an explosive deployment of applications. You really need a way to program these applications, build these applications. And I think that software has to evolve, uh, software that really responds to the needs of uh, mission-critical uh, systems, cyber-physical system. you know, the automotive autonomy, the robotics, uh, the, the very control, the um, and, and all that, that space is still fragmented. So beyond the infrastructure is the infrastructure for the software that can still make progress. And I'm active in, in that area. You'll probably hear from me in that space soon. Uh, and so uh, I'm open uh, and excited because I see the directions 
going, you know, the industry going in the right in the right direction, uh, with more enthusiasm now that we come out of this difficult year or two years. Uh, so hope is coming back for everybody and for me too as a technologist. Uh, so courage, investment. Also, there's this government uh, investment in infrastructure that should give a lot more uh, to areas like uh, transportation, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, robotics, uh, autonomous vehicles, and so on. So I, I think that the there's a lot to do ahead, and I'm okay. excited, open. We'll see. Yep. We'll no, fully touch. agreed. And again, you know, you're you are clearly somebody with the right experience base uh, at the at the at the right time and perhaps in the right place. And uh, and I love this idea of software defined control. I think we could do a separate uh, podcast just on that. But unfortunately, we are running really short on time. So, look, Flavio, thank you for spending this time with us today. It was fun. Uh, you know, I am very fond of you and for what you're doing. And this time was uh, uh, inspiring. I hope that uh, the audience also uh, got something out of our, our uh, chat here. Thank you for the good questions and um, best wishes to everybody in this new uh, resurrection of, of the world. Mm, well said there, Flavio, and uh, the feelings are mutual. Um, so this has been Dr. Flavio Benami, founder and former CEO and CTO of Nebbiolo Technologies, and if I uh, if I can get away with it, AKA the Fogman. So thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Thank you, and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.